listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Hammer and Umpire Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Weber, and I've got a, I guess, a medium-sized podcast for you today. I've got a few things on my thoughts on the new RQ Plus or RefQuest system from the NCAA. Um, I've got an umpire spotlight back today, one of the features I've had in the past that I hope you will enjoy. I'm going to talk through some of the um, proposed and probably happening NCAA baseball rule changes for 2023-24. I've got a segment that I really want to share with you on not being a big timer. And you probably know what that is, but anyway, I'll explain it in my segment and tell you about some experiences that I've had recently. But one of the big things I want to mention here today, too, and you probably see it in the title of this uh, particular episode, is that excellence is what you do next. This is something that I was reading some things about recently. And we know that we have our ups and downs as an official, and there's times where we feel like we're failing a little bit. And the the thing that makes you a great umpire, and a good person for that matter, but definitely we're talking about umpiring here, is that when things are not going your way, you maybe kick a call, or you're you're struggling in some fashion or another, you know, maybe your plate job or whatever might be the case, and uh, you, you know, focus even even harder, and you make the next call better. You, know, you handle the next situation better. You um, handle the coach better the next time that you have to deal with them. You handle a situation between a, a batter complaining about balls and strikes or something better the next time. You know, um, you might miss um, a pulled foot or something at first base when you're working first base. And you make sure that you gear down a little bit better on that and that you see it and that your your timing is better. Those are the things that make you better. The umpires that move on and work the higher levels and some of the things that some of you are aspiring to are the ones that take the challenge and uh, not dwell on their mistakes. You, you have a, a, I feel like you have a minimal amount of time that you can dwell on something that goes wrong. Then you have to learn from it. And you have to move on and get better and be excellent, right? So the next decision you make, because it's always easy if everything's going your way, you know, nobody's complaining about anything. You know, every every pitch is just right there and it's clear cut. Every call is not close. But when things really start hitting the fan, how do you react? And what how you react is whether you will be excellent or not. Something to think about. Now, this is the same type of thing with, you know, your job. You know, I'm, I'm a high school teacher. How I handle situations with my students and my administrators and the curriculum that I'm teaching um, will make me, you know, excellent or not. How I handle things with my family, you know, with my wife, with my daughter um, is, you know, I'm either excellent or I'm not. It's the next thing that happens. And then if you're able to do that consistently, then you become excellent. And, you know, consistency is something that everybody is striving for. So just something to think about. Um, I heard somebody talking about it, and I think it does apply to sports officiating, especially when things are not going well, which unfortunately, (laughs) you know, that happens frequently. Now, hopefully less so um, as you get a little bit better at it, but there's always going to be those situations because if it was that easy, Everybody would do it, wouldn't they, right? But it's not that easy. So anyway, I hope uh, you guys have your sound set correctly in your automobile or your AirPods or your earbuds all set to sit back and listen to 
another episode of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes uh, about something that I term big time. What is big time? I'm sure you might have your own definition, but for me, uh, in the officiating world, and of course I'm in the umpiring world, that's the only sport that I do, it's when you or somebody else is in a position that is of a higher standing than some other umpires, and you use that um, standing to uh, make yourself look better or in, in certain ways put other people down, you know. Um, and there's subtle ways to do this, and there's, you know, obvious ways to do this, too. But whatever way you're doing it, it's it's not cool, all right? Now, full disclosure, I am sure that I have been a culprit and a, a perpetrator of big-time people. And I, I, I'd like to say that I, I didn't do it on purpose. If I did, which I'm sure I have at some point, um, but still, that doesn't really excuse it. Um, you know, I, I think everybody, um, unless you're just brand new and you've never umpired a baseball game, you have something uh, as far as, you know, standing in your association or what you've accomplished or something uh, over other people. And it all varies. For someone like me, I have lots of people that are way above me and always will be, but I've I've accomplished quite a few things um, over the last few years, and I have um, quite a few people that would love to have done the things that I've been able to uh, to do. So I'm kind of in the middle, all right? Maybe less than the middle, I guess. I, I don't know. Anyway, this fall I worked some games, and I had one incident with some guys that I, I respect, okay, and I'm not going to name any names, in which I felt like uh, they were doing some big time. Here are the things that... I don't like to hear, all right, when I'm in the locker room or changing area or whatever we're doing. I don't care what kind of Division One series you've worked. You don't need to keep mentioning it. You don't need to keep mentioning uh, the people that you know that you think are big-time people and, you know, name-dropping, basically. Um, you know, you don't need to mention the positive things that somebody has said to you that makes it look like you're going to be able to move along farther or get better types of games. These are some things that were happening, all right? Now, as one of my mentors and probably my biggest mentor, Bruce Dillon, says, you don't carry your resume in your back pocket, you know. If you can work, you can umpire, it's going to show up. If not, uh, then it won't, and then whatever you have accomplished doesn't really mean a whole lot, does it, you know? So just shut up and work, and... Um, when things get thick, you know, and things get tough, are you are, are you going to be able to show up, all right, and be able to, to handle business? Those are the guys you want to work with, you know. I mean, any of us, I don't care what level, I don't care if you're working, um, you know, Little League or you're working College World Series or something like that, you want to work with guys that are going to be there when things get tough and that you would you'd go to battle with literally, all right. So these guys that I was working with, they were doing some big time and mentioning places that they've worked, you know, 
And then, you know, they, you know, I, I, I like it better when you're in the locker room with somebody and they're talking about regular stuff, you know, like, what do you, what do they do when they're not officiating? You know, all right, what kind of job do you have? You know, how's your family? That kind of stuff. Of course, we got a pregame. We got to talk about what we're doing, especially if we haven't worked together and all those things and we get that stuff done. But we only need to have so much time to talk about what series you worked last spring. Okay, that's what we're talking about here in the fall or those kind of things. I find that very, very annoying, and um, it made me feel, um, it made me not necessarily angry, but made me feel lesser, and that is not what we want to be doing, and this is a tough enough thing to do anyway. We don't want to do that, so I know I'm going to be very conscious of this whenever I'm working games that are, you know, you know, where I've kind of reached the top, let's say high school baseball or something like that, um, and certain levels of college baseball as well. Um, I'm I'm going to be very aware of that and treat people well and res- treat them with respect because it's disrespectful of what they are able to accomplish and where they came from. And then when I was talking about certain things where they ask a question, I felt like people were like just they just would ignore you. And it's like, man, you know, I was, and then when I got out of that locker room, I just worked a single game. And I'm like, I'm really glad that I'm not working a whole series with with this crew here because I don't know how much that wouldn't be a lot of fun I mean yeah you're in it to work the games the best you can and you know you make some money doing it of course too but you want it to be enjoyable because there's no reason to be driving a long distance or certainly be away from your friends and family um, if you are miserable about it then on the flip side of this I had another fall game with a very accomplished umpire one of the most accomplished umpires um in college baseball history and he was super cool about stuff man um i'm sure that you know i think everybody's probably been guilty of big time before and he probably has too but he did not do that i mean he he obviously knows i know who he is and everything but he was helpful he was fun it was a fun thing we just worked some two men in a fall d1 thing and um you know their inner squad scrimmage kind of thing and he was great and um i really enjoyed it and, uh, and he, if anybody could big time it would have been him all right, but he didn't. You know, he just was happy to be there and do his thing and and uh, talk to me and, and get to know me a little bit and help me out on a few things here and there. And we talked about a few things here and there between innings, which you you know really shouldn't do in a regular game, but you can do that a little bit in a in a you know sprint or a false scrimmage kind of thing that they're doing inner squad stuff. So that you know it, it was two polarizing experiences. And um, it definitely made me come to the realization that I am not going to be doing that to people. Or at least I'm going to try to be hyper aware of big time and people and, and not making them feel that way. And especially if you are the person that is more accomplished and, you know, you could, you know, big time them or whatever. Um, it's so much better if you make them feel comfortable and you... Um, Praise them on something that's legit to praise them on and what they're able to do. That's what was done for me, you know. And um, that's just so much better. And that will help people and they'll work better too. And they'll be better umpires for it. And anytime you walk out on the field and care who you're with, you want them to be the best umpire they can that day, right? You don't want them to feel like they're lesser. I mean, that's not a good mindset to, to have, you know, or, or that you have something that you're trying to prove or something like that. So... Something to think about as, you know, I know the baseball season is, is over for most of us. 
and uh, unless you're working the World Series or something like that, right? I know there's some fall games and other things in the warmer climates that you might get in. But uh, if you are somebody that's kind of, you know, moved through the ranks a bit, make sure that you're aware of that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, because people look up to you as well, and, and sometimes they are really happy to work with you. Like, I was very happy to work with this particular umpire. I know I've had uh, people that have uh, wanted to work with me and were pleased when they got a, a shot to, and I try to help them if I can. But helping them in, um, is one thing, and, and not big-timing them while you do it is um, another one. Um, so that's something that we need to avoid. So anyway, that was, um, that was something that bothered me for a couple days afterward. I mean, I'm well over it now. This was a while back here in the fall. But uh, something that I definitely wrote down in my notebook that I keep about potential topics I'll have for the podcast. Um, I'd be interested to know what your experiences are with big timing. You know, do you ever feel like you've done that by accident? I hope by accident. If you do it on purpose, man, that's not good. Or have you ever been big timed? I'm sure some of you have. So feel free to send me a message of some sort or leave a, one of the voicemails on the Anchor um, app or the website, you know, for the podcast or like one minute or less and just give me a little rundown of it. I'd be interested to know what people uh, have experienced over the years. So the message here, don't be a big timer. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So if you are a collegiate baseball umpire or just uh, an NCAA official of any sort, you are probably familiar with RoughQuest. And uh, RoughQuest, or RQ+, as it is known to some, um, is something that's been around for a little while now, and it's used in some other sports other than baseball um, a little more extensively. For example, in football, um, there are some conferences that use it quite a bit, and they use it to do their training videos and other types of things. Uh, but in college baseball, particularly here in the Midwest where I work uh, for the CBUA, um, we are still using Arbiter to do our assigning. However, anything that's going to be coming through the NCAA, I believe, will be assigned through RQ+. So I just wanted to take a minute and just give you my initial thoughts on the platform. Um, so... You know, the platform itself has the capabilities to do a lot of the things that Arbiter can. You can do a signing through it. You know, you can check your schedule and such. It has a, a payment feature, kind of like what we have for, uh, you know, Arbiter Pay has that as well, but they have it connected right through RQ+. So it has a lot of those same features. I, I don't um, find the interface quite as user-friendly as the CBUA, but maybe, um, or the CBUA Arbiter and the other Arbiter accounts that I'm um, familiar with. But um, 
it probably, uh, you know, maybe the reason for that is I'm just not as familiar with it. But it's, you know, I, I fooled around on the on the website and um, it seems pretty decent. For um, the NCAA and, and the IA that I work for in, in my area, um, all of their hub information has now been transferred over to the RQ Plus platform. So any of the training we're going to have, the um, articles that are written by certain people in an NCAA baseball, um, videos and such things like that are going to be through RQ Plus, which seems to work pretty well. Um, CBOA, where I get 99% um, of my assignments um, from, uh, will still manage their things through their Arbiter and their Central Hub. However, because of the agreement, it's a multi-year agreement, I don't know the, all the details, but I know it's for several years, I feel like, you know, we're moving in the direction that maybe everything eventually will switch to RQ+. Um, I hope not, but that seems to be the case. I know there's some baseball conferences around the country that are using that as their assigning platform. Um, as a, an umpire, I don't like it as much at all because um, th it doesn't have an app. One of the things I really like about Arbiter is the Arbiter mobile app. And if you are an Arbiter official um, and you don't have the app, you really need to get it because it's great and you can set it up and it'll send you text messages when you have new games or something gets changed or canceled or whatever. Um, and it's easy to use on your phone or tablet or whatever you might have. You can, you know, do the your your payments on there. If they if they go through Arbiter Pay, you can, you know, get that transferred to your bank account or whatever you want to do with it. And all those things, it's a lot easier. It shows your games on there. You can click on things that will text um, your partners. If you've got a crew, you can just hit the text all people and it just do it. Just pulls it right up. It's a, a great app and it saves time and money and also gives you timely information. I've looked all over and if i'm wrong please correct me somebody out there but rq plus for all the money they're spending on this does not have an app which i think is completely unacceptable all right i i would instantly like rq plus 50 percent better if they had an app and they better get one if, especially if um everybody around the country is going to have to start moving toward this platform so that's kind of my initial thoughts on that i mean they both kind of are similar but uh um I know Arbiter's had its trouble over the last few years. You know, they had the the computer hack situation where a bunch of uh, passwords and, you know, all that kind of stuff and information was uh, leaked or whatever. So I'm sure them being able to renew or continue their contract with the NCAA, this, this is all my speculation, okay, was a little troublesome because of those kind of things. And, and you know, and, and the people that develop RQ Plus have developed a nice product. Um, that certainly can compete with that. So, I don't know. Time will tell how things go, uh, but that is uh, the new thing on the horizon. Now, will RQ Plus um, move its way down into high school sports and other things? Very possible. It just might do that, all right? So, that is something that some of you out there, you might want to take a look at if you're unfamiliar with because that might be something that could be coming your way as well. So, those are my general thoughts, initial thoughts anyway, on RQ Plus or Rough Quest. As well, I'd like to bring back a feature that I've had on many of my podcast episodes, the Umpire Spotlight. I haven't done one in a while. 
Uh, but this time, I'd like to do one for a Michigan-based umpire that I'm sure many of you know and have seen on television working games in the College World Series and such, Perry Costello. Now, Perry Costello is from DeWitt, Michigan, which is just outside of Lansing, Michigan, our capital here. And uh, he is um, a very experienced official, someone that has worked, you know, Division One basketball. He's worked uh, football, too. I don't know exactly what levels he's worked to in football. But he's definitely most known for his work as an umpire in collegiate baseball. He was a former pro umpire. And up to this point, and he's, you know, getting to be in his mid-60s now and still working, he has worked 28 NCAA regionals. Uh, 19 Super Regionals, and 9 College World Series. Um, so I, I've searched around trying to find, uh, you know, the record for the number of College World Series somebody has worked. And I know there's been a few other guys through history that have worked a good number. But I got to believe uh, Perry Costello is right there near the top. Uh, if somebody has such a list, uh, that would be a, a very useful thing, and I would appreciate that if you could uh, pass that along to me in some fashion or another. So I've seen Perry work many times on, on TV and in the College World Series and such, and uh, last year I was scheduled to work a game with them at Michigan State, and it ended up getting rained out, which was a big bummer. But uh, this fall I was able to just work a little inter-squad uh, um, game at uh, CMU with him, and I worked the plate, of course, and he worked the bases, just worked some two-man, and he was great, man. He was uh, very helpful and, and pointed out a few things to me that uh, were useful, and he was very fun to work with. And um, one of the most impressive things is that um, he he's in such great shape for, you know, the guy getting up there a little bit. And I asked him about that. What does he do? And he's talking about, like, you know, people, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but I have a really big backyard. And he was, like, pointing out to, like, the outfield, like, it's almost as big as that. And I take, I have a golf club and a golf ball, and I hit the golf ball out there. My little dog and I run after it. I do, like, sprints, and I hit it the other way. And, that, you know, he just does that. He does swimming. I guess he's a big swimmer as well. And, man, he was, um, there was one play where a kid got a double um, and, you know, was running the second, of course. And he just about beat him there. So, you know, he probably runs this better than I do, and I'm younger than he is, okay? So the other things I noticed about him, even there working two-man, which he doesn't do very often because, you know, he works mainly four-man and maybe a little three-man here and there, is um, he's just always in such great position everywhere and always set and gets really good angles in two-man, and his timing is impeccable. He's very slow. I mean, everybody talks about that and how you got to, like, you know, see the whole play and see it through and everything like that. And I know my timing has improved over the years, but it's still something I fight frequently. And uh, he was just right on top of it all the time and just, just great timing. And, and we talked about some of those things as well. So there, he was featured in um, Referee Magazine a little while back. And if you have some past issues, you could probably find the article. Um, you know, he's the guy that grew up in Lansing area and played, you know, sports as well and was a good basketball player and played against Magic Johnson in the, in the uh, Lansing area as well. And uh, they talk about that stuff in there and then his other experiences that he's had in officiating like basketball and other sports as well. So um, very interesting guy. It's somebody that 
I think uh, you should take a look at if you're watching some college baseball as the spring will roll around in a few months and you see uh, Perry Costello working somewhere, you should definitely uh, see how he does things and maybe pick up a few things from him. Now, Perry started out, you know, his umpiring um, by going to uh, the Windlestead Umpire School back in like 1981 down there in Florida. And uh, obviously he did well enough. He started working in the Pioneer League, then the South Atlantic, the Carolina League, the Southern League, the Eastern, and the International Leagues, um, and then the American Association. And he also worked uh, the Dominican Winter League back in the late 80s or around 1990 or so. Um, and he might have reached the majors, uh, but uh, instead he left behind, you know, the warm weather and, and uh, or the colder climates and decided that he was going to uh, raise his family in Michigan back home and, uh, you know, be a college baseball umpire. It's a tough road, you know, for guys that are in the minor leagues. And um, I, I know some very good umpires that are currently in the minor leagues or just gotten out. And it takes a certain something. you got to have the right situation in your life to continue to pursue it. If you have a family, that makes it a lot more challenging. If you're not necessarily the, the right age that they're looking for, they want youth, but you know they don't want you too young as well. Somebody that can progress through their programs. And um, it takes a lot as a person to realize that, hey, I'm doing really well or I'm getting good evaluations or something like that and know when to walk away and that you might have other opportunities out, out there. So that is uh, my umpire spotlight, Perry Costello. Uh, if you want to check out the article that gives some more details about him in Referee Magazine, it's in the June 2022 Referee Magazine. And uh, I was very privileged to be able to work a little bit with him and learn a little bit from him. And I hope I maybe get an opportunity to do that as well in the future. So if you get a chance to check out Mr. Costello working a game on television, make sure you just take a few minutes and just see how he does stuff and uh, try to pick up something from him. So we've had a few, several actually, um, potential baseball rule changes for college baseball, NCAA that is, uh, for the 2023-24 seasons. Um, there's some of them are, you know, more significant than others. Like for example, they want to have um, more rules on the wall padding to make it safer for players. Uh, they're talking about the size of first, second, and third base that it's going to be acceptable if uh, they have the 18-inch bases instead of the 15. That's particularly if you know some of the larger schools, the D1 schools and such, are playing at a professional stadium that might have those. Um, they're gonna. One of the big changes, though, is the penalty for uh, an illegal bat. So, you know, a bat without the proper bat testing sticker um, that has been altered to improve performance, or that has become flattened or illegal due to continued use after the bat testing um, is completed, um, is going to be an illegal bat. So, no more like kind of excuses and such for that. They're going to continue to require that the coach may only come to the middle point of their respective foul line when uh, coming to the field to ask a question about a call um, and also require the coach may not enter the dirt circle around home plate to ask a question about a call um, 
you know, or even when making the lineup change. Uh, of course, these things were put into effect during the COVID seasons, and um, a lot of people, and I think there is some validity to it, believe that it's been an effective tool to um, reduce uh, situations and ejections and things like that. Um, they are um, going to propose that a game can be completed with one umpire. We know we are still in the midst of our umpire and officiating uh, shortages. And so there, that might happen, especially in games that have you know, just two umpires, which is a lot of college baseball. One of the big things I see, and I see it with some teams that I've officiated for um, in my area, is um, the celebrations. And they're going to be trying to uh, reduce those down. Like after a home run, a scoring play, or the end of a half inning, teams shall not bring props, celebratory props, under the field of play. Um, props must remain in the team dugout during competition. I see guys bring things out. They got a little mini basketball hoop, and they're doing slam dunks or throwing this football around. They've got some kind of costume. Um, they've got chants and all this stuff, and all that does is irritate people and get people to want to get a little payback. All right? So hopefully that will reduce unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, they are talking about, you know, for tie games and extra innings to allow by conference rule, and I hope conferences ad adopt it, or, or some kind of mutual agreement before a game if it's like a non-con game, um, for a team to start each extra inning, 10th inning, you know, in a nine-inning game or eighth inning in a seven-inning game with a runner on second base. That would be like the only thing. That helps move things along a little bit. Um, so the other thing is uh, another rule to change the head coach, uh, Rule 517, about verbal abuse or bench jockeying to be more inclusive of unsportsmanlike acts like, you know, using props, signs, you know, bat flips, Nearly toward an opponent, things like that that can be, it's not just the verbal abuse, it's just, you know, the unsportsmanlike type behavior that we unfortunately see too frequently. Um, as you know, we might know here, the NCAA puts out training videos uh, through the preseason, and they had one recently on this next thing, this inadvertent deflection of a baseball by batter and umpire. So, like, um, if the batter or umpire frequently, it's usually the batter, um, unintentionally deflects or kicks the ball toward a runner, you know, uh, allowing a runner to advance. Then um, that ball is going to be a dead ball, and the runner should return to the base they occupied at the time of the pitch, unless it's strike three and the batter's out. Um, so rationale, you know, if the runner was stealing with the pitch, you know, the offense should not be penalized. If the runner's not stealing with the pitch, and the deflection has an impact on the play, and the runner should return. So uh, they're not going to be calling people out, but they're going to try to make it more fair play. I think that's a pretty good rule interpretation and, and fairness there, as long as it's not um, intentional. Obviously, if it's intentional, you're going to get get them for um, interference there and, and getting out, right? So uh, force play slide rule, they're changing that around a little bit to uh, not um, not have the, the, the whole concept of not always in a direct line between the two bases depending on the runner's position. So this is, they're going to allow more judgment for the umpires to decide um, if there was truly some kind of interference there. Um, you know, and not just a, well, he didn't slide, you know, in a direct line or this or that, he's out. 
um, even though it might not have interfered. So it's going to be a little more umpire judgment. I think that is a good thing as well. It makes it a little trickier, but it makes it a little bit more of fair play, and that's the whole concept of rules anyway is for the fairest play in the ballgame. Some other uh, rules, they're adding language to address a runner interfering with a fielder fielding a batted foul ball. Um, and that's just to clarify the situation where interference occurs in, you know, on a foul ball. So that's good as well. Um, the pushing a runner off a base, like with a tag or something like that. Um, intentional or unintentionally um, done to, um, you know, it's under the discretion of the umpire to return the runner to the base. He was forced off following the conclusion of a play. So um, that's a judgment call too, right? You know, I mean, was it, you know, did he really force him off with the force of the tag or did the guy get off the base on his own? Um, so just some discretion there as well. Pitcher going to the mouth. They got that a little bit differently now for college baseball. Pitcher shall be issued one warning when they go to the mouth and neglect to wipe off before touching the ball or engaging the pitcher's plate. Currently, there was no warning, and the ball would immediately be issued to um, issued to the count. So now they're going to do that if he makes that mistake, which, you know, that's all right, you know. They're also going to add uh, hit-by-pitch to the list of things that can be reviewed um, and conferenced about as well, which and, and used in video review, and I think that that is a solid addition as well. And along those same lines, they're going to, you know, allow the umpire to have discretion of placing their runners after changing a call and also add plays involving any potential malicious contact to the list of reviewable plays without a challenge. Um, and that's probably good, too. If you have somebody running somebody over, it's good to be able to go look at that and not have to have somebody have to do a challenge. All right. Um, they also just uh, talking about if there's the pitcher DH that happens to be on base. Uh, when the last out is made, that uh, should give him a little leeway as far as making him his way back out to warm up uh, for the next inning um, and not being quite as strict, I guess, with the, the in-between innings clock. I don't know exactly how we're supposed to interpret that, but I'm sure something will be coming along soon. But the biggest change, of course, is to the 20-second action clock. Um, we're going to change the action clock rule with runners on base to the following. The pitcher is required to start the motion to deliver the pitch or attempt to pick off prior to the 20-second time limit. Pitcher shall be limited to one step off or fake move toward a base runner per batter to reset the clock. The request for time by defensive player would constitute a step off. The violation of the 20-second clock will result in a ball to the count. And then just recently, in the last few days, um, they added that batters need to be in the box and alert and ready you know, to hit uh, within 10 seconds, not 5 as it was previously. Because if they left it at 5, uh, there's going to be a lot of gamemanship there and uh, definitely advantage hitter in those kind of situations. You know, they, they have noticed that these similar kind of rules have reduced minor league baseball games by 18 to 25 minutes. And that sounds good to me. Um, but in order to do this, we need to have visible clocks. So they're going to require Division One to have division, uh, visible clocks in all of their stadiums, parks, fields, whatever, by 2024. And then Divisions Two and Three by 2025. And um, that's very doable. I mean, you know, 
all NCAA basketball has a shot clock, the one, two, three, right, uh, that they use. Um, you know, I'm sure that shot clocks are not necessarily the cheapest things, but they're not the most expensive things either. And they can certainly add those to the baseball field, and that's going to make things a lot fair because it'll take a little pressure off the umpires when, you know, the clock is zero when you make your call. And it's like, there it is. You know, there, it's not like you're just randomly deciding on our little uh, belt timers that we're using and such things. So those are some of the uh, big changes for NCAA baseball for this coming season. I'm sure there'll be some other rule interpretations and some other things to come along. Uh, but those are some of the big ones. The big thing, though, is this new stuff with the 20-second action clock. That'll probably be the most uh, challenging of uh, things for people to get a grasp of. There it is. Another episode of the Hammer and Umpire podcast is in the books or on tape or on a digital file, whatever way you want to say it, I guess. Thanks for sticking with me once again. Hope you uh, gained some knowledge and made you think about a few things along the way. Uh, throughout this off season, I certainly will continue to do some podcasts. Things are quieting down a bit here. Um, every time I start a new school year, things are a little bit uh, crazy, uh, particularly since you know my daughter is a senior in high school this year, and and uh, there's a lot of things going on with her um, in the next coming months that I've had to uh, deal with in a positive way, of course. Uh, but uh, I will be trying to plug in a few podcasts, at least one a month. Uh, if I can fit in more, I will. Um, as we move along, I'll talk about some of the uh, new rule interpretations that are coming about. I'll talk about some situations, um, you know, like with obstruction interference and timing plays and uh, dealing with weather issues and infield flies. Got a few of those things on the, on the docket that I'll deal with in some of my upcoming podcasts. Also, I want to bring back some quizzes. I think that's always a good idea because soon we're going to be having our preseason quizzes, um, and it's good to get ourselves in a frame of mind about thinking about those things. Dig into those rule books. If you're a college umpire um, on the RQ Plus platform, they have the digital version of the 2023-24 rule book there. Start working through that, um, You know, certain sections at a time. You don't have to read it straight through but obviously focusing on some of the new interpretations and new rules out there. And uh, once you get your other rule books out there, look at those things too and make sure you're familiar with those. It's always nice to uh, have somebody on a crew that is familiar with what's going on and, and we can feel confident when we step out on the baseball field. So until then, keep working hard and keep calling strikes. Yeah.